Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello and welcome to Open City's on-demand audio tour of the extraordinary architecture around London Bridge, Southwark and the Square Mile. My name is Poppy Waring and I produce the Open City podcast. This on-demand audio tour has been designed as a companion to your walk or cycle today, but you can also listen and enjoy this tour at home or wherever you might be. Designed by the Italian architect Renzo Piano, the Shard is the tallest building in the United Kingdom. Its 72 storeys include offices, homes, an observation deck and the five-star Shangri-La The Shard Hotel. Completed in 2013, the landmark building occupies a prominent position close to London Bridge, bordering the historic precincts of Southwark and the Square Mile. This landscape is defined by centuries of ambitious architecture on both sides of the River Thames reflecting the dreams and hopes of the millions of visionary people from around the world who have visited London for trade and leisure and who have also made it their home. This tour tells its story. There are 11 listening points on this guide, the first of which is outside the Shard. Feel free to track backwards and forwards between our chosen listening points, but please be aware there is a thought behind the order and number. If you lose your way on the tour, you can find each listening point in the episode description below and a full map where you found this on-demand audio tour on the Open City website. Right now, you're standing at 31 St Thomas Street at the ground floor entrance to the Shangri-La Hotel, where architect Charles Holland will introduce you to the route he has curated today. This guide forms a loop. It starts at the Shard, crosses the river via London Bridge to the City of London, before heading back over the Millennium Bridge and returning along the Thames Pass. Along the way, it takes in buildings from the 13th to the 21st centuries, commercial, cultural, residential and religious structures of wildly differing architectural styles. The guide is not limited to a particular architectural period or a specific kind of building. Instead, it explores different buildings, different eras and different versions of London. The River Thames forms a constant reference point, though, allowing views of the buildings along the route from different vantage points, 
London Bridge is the earliest major crossing point of the river and therefore acts as a centre of gravity as well as a link between the north and south banks. The bridge itself has been replaced a number of times, each iteration vastly different to the last. It's a common place to describe cities as places of constant change, but there are continuities and connections too. Spires, towers and steeples recur on this route. Some of these refer directly to each other. Each adds to the London skyline, becoming over time an intrinsic part of it. So the journey described here is defined by theme as well as geography. It is a way of reading the city, but it's also a way of enjoying it too. Listening point one. The Shard. You start outside the ground floor entrance to Shangri-La the Shard at 31 St Thomas's Street. The hotel occupies part of Renzo Piano Building Workshop 72-storey skyscraper, completed in 2013, which launches itself up from the complex streetscape around London Bridge Station and heads up and up into the London skyline. The result of a policy by a previous London mayor, Ken Livingston, to encourage tall buildings around transport interchanges, the Shard was conceived by Piano as a 21st century addition to the spires of Christopher Wren's city churches. Below the Shard lies the mass of interconnecting levels that make up London Bridge Station Concourse, recently re-engineered by Grimshaw. Despite the remodelling, it is still a complicated and confusing setup. but you can avoid much of this by walking up London Bridge Street to the left-hand side of the hotel entrance. Follow the overhead signs towards Tooley Street on the north side of the station. Listening point two. Hayes Wharf. Cross Tooley Street via the Tooley Street Triangle, which is marked by a pastel-coloured miniature spire with a mirror ball on top, designed by, full disclosure, Charles Holland Architects in 2020. Then, more or less directly in front of you, is Hayes Wharf, completed in 1931. Designed by the eclectic early 20th century architect Harry Stuart Goodhart Rendell, a somewhat forgotten figure now who was president of the RIBA in 1937 and an influential architectural thinker in his day, Hayes Wharf is a glamorous and exuberant slice of commercial art deco. To the left of Hayes Wharf is a small sign indicating St Olaf's Stairs, actually a passage taking you to the Thames Pass. Here, the wide, flat corridor formed by the river opens up to you. Look east and you can see the chunky, neo-Gothic fantasy of Tower Bridge and the offices of London's Docklands beyond. Look straight across and you are confronted with the jostling scrum of skyscrapers bursting out of the city's square mile. To the west, the river curves around between the south bank on one side and the embankment on the other. Listening point three. London Bridge. Head west along the Thames Path before climbing the steps up to London Bridge. Look back and you can see the river elevation of Hayes Wharf, dominated by large superscale gold letters and relief sculptures of dock workers and the granite-faced office buildings of one London Bridge beside it. Walk north across the bridge, which is a late 20th century, largely unremarkable replacement for George Rennie's more celebrated predecessor, which was completed in 1831. Rennie's stone-faced bridge, itself a replacement for the old medieval bridge that was densely packed with precarious-looking houses, was sold in 1973 to American entrepreneur Robert P. McCulloch, who reassembled it in Arizona's Mojave Desert, where it still spans the artificially formed Lake Havasu today. 
Listening point four. The monument. On the north side of the bridge and tucked down Monument Street is the monument. Christopher Wren and Robert Hooke's memorial to the Great Fire of London. Completed in 1677, the monument, which takes the form of a vast hollow classical column, was originally intended to be used for experiments conducted by the Royal Society. Vibrations caused by the traffic rendered it unsurprisingly impractical for such a purpose, and today you can walk up its 311 steps to take in the view. Listening point five. St Mary Walnuth. Head northwest along King William Street, a long run of mostly forgettable, largely Edwardian and later 20th century commercial office buildings. Eventually you will arrive at the heart of the city, a complex junction of streets with Bank Underground Station lurking below you. A riot of A-list architects awaits you here though, all vying for attention. Christopher Wren, Nicholas Hawksmoor and John Soane are all present and correct, alongside 20th and 21st century buildings by Edwin Lutyens, James Sterling and Rem Coolhouse. Hawksmoor's Church of St Mary Walnuth, on your right at the junction of King William Street with Lombard Street, is perhaps the star of the show. It is one of the 50 new City of London churches commissioned by an Act of Parliament in 1711, and it is an exceptionally powerful and highly original building for its time. The tower is an extraordinary piece of sculptural bravado in its own right. A pair of tall, drum-like columns support an elongated classical casket that then splits into two mini-towers, both surmounted by balconies. Deep, horizontal incisions in the stone, known as rustication, ripple over the surface. The north elevation on Lombard Street, we could easily be in Rome here, is if anything even better. Three vast blank windows form the starting point for a virtuoso composition made up of convex and concave curves. Below the windows, hulking keystones hang over dark and sinister voids. Somewhat bizarrely, the elevation to King William Street also contains an entrance to Bank Underground. The church is open to the public on weekdays, though, and is definitely worth a visit. Listening point six. New Court. After St Mary Wilneth, turn left down the tiny St Swithin's Lane, where you will come across New Court, the headquarters of Rothschild's Bank, designed by the Office for Metropolitan Architecture, OMA, in 2011. OMA's buildings are homage to the corporate modernism of the 1960s and 70s. There were explicit references to Manaru Yamasaki's design for Manhattan's Twin Towers, destroyed in the 2001 terror attack, and the corporate lobby could easily be a stage set for the TV show Mad Men. The sardonic personality of OMA's principal, the architect Rem Coolhouse, gives all these elements a darkly ironic twist. Witness the overscaled handrails that look as if they were designed for city giants. Executive meeting and dining rooms are housed in a separate four-storey cube hoisted up above the roofline, Inside, mahogany dining tables and oil paintings from the Rothschilds collection are juxtaposed against the building's corporate minimalism. Hang around the entrance too long and you will be encouraged on your way by security guards, but you might just about have time to admire the carefully framed views of Christopher Wren's St Stephen's Walbrook next door. You will have to walk around to Walbrook itself though to see the delightful entrance and elegant spire of Wren's building. 
Slightly further down Woolbrook, you can't miss the large glazed hump of the new Bloomberg HQ, designed by Foster Associates and completed in 2017. Listening point seven. Bank of England. Almost exactly the opposite to the entrance to Lombard Street is the Bank of England, known colloquially as the Old Lady of Threadneedle Street. Architecturally, this building is notable for all the wrong reasons. A vast stone-clad office building with a columned portico rises up above a screen wall. The screen, which has more of that rusticated banding, follows the street pan and occupies an entire city block. Much of the screen was designed by Sir John Stone, an intense brooding genius who developed a highly personal form of classical architecture during the 18th century. The Bank of England had been his crowning achievement. Sadly, much of Stone's building and its remarkable labyrinthine interior was eviscerated by the architect Sir Herbert Baker in his 1920s rebuild. Baker was never really forgiven for this act of architectural vandalism and his replacement is a pompous but largely pedestrian affair. Listening point eight. Number one poultry. Having shaken your head at Baker's crimes, head back across to the junction of Cornhill and Queen Victoria Street. Here you are confronted with number one poultry, a pink and buff stone-striped cake slice of a building designed by James Sterling, Michael Wilford and Associates. Triangular in plan, the apex of Sterling and Wilford's confection is crowned by a cylindrical fly tower augmented by a clock and what looked like a pair of diving boards. The stripy stone cladding and the bulb massing are a self-conscious repost to Hawksmoor's St Mary Walnuss, which you've already visited. Stirling's building was controversial when it was completed in 1997 because it involved the demolition of the Mappin and Webb building, an elegant piece of Victorian commercial architecture designed by John Belcher in 1870. The site belongs to Peter Palumbo, who had previously tried unsuccessfully to build an elegant tower designed by the pioneer modernist architect Mies van der Rohe. Mises' proposal was refused consent, but Serling's subsequent design gained approval after a public inquiry in which the inspector concluded that it might just be a masterpiece. Sterling's rambunctious design still divides opinion, although it has recently been listed Grade 2 star, the second highest level of protection, by Historic England. It is worth walking through the building, which connects the two streets that meet at its apex so that you can look up into its central drum an open-air space made up of stacked circles and triangles like a giant geometric toy, an effect further accentuated by Sterling's trademark acidic colour palette. Listening point nine. Brackenhouse. From here, march down Queen Victoria Street, past the pink stone-clad Bracken House, formerly the home of the Financial Times, and extensively remodelled in the 1980s by Hopkins Architects, before picking up St Peter's Hill on the left, which provides the entrance to the Millennium Bridge. Steel sculptures by Anthony Caro frame the route to the bridge. Look right, though, and you're on access with a huge Baroque dome of Wren's St Paul's Cathedral. No prizes for guessing the year the Millennium Bridge was completed, but it was closed temporarily immediately afterwards due to an alarming tendency to vibrate, which resulted in it acquiring the nickname of the Wobbly Bridge. Designed by Foster Associates with engineers Arab, it was subsequently modified and reopened again in 2002. Listening point 10. 
Tate Modern. The ex-Wobbly Bridge will take you across the Thames, where the spires of Christopher Wren's city churches are visible again, to Tate Modern, Herzog and de Muron's 2000 reworking of the former Bankside power station. Inevitably somewhat dated, there are still some good architectural moments here, particularly the way that the escalators slide ambiguously past ground level without stopping. The brick tower with its slightly underwhelming backlit crown remains a landmark on the riverbank. You can visit the Tate's permanent but constantly shifting collection of modern art for free here alongside temporary spectacular exhibitions in the former Turbine Hall and the Tanks, a remarkable series of spaces previously used to store oil converted by Herzog and de Muron in 2012. Herzog and de Muron also added the adjacent Switch House in 2016, a twisting brick-clad corkscrew of gallery spaces that fuses iconic shapism with the more austere architecture of the new London vernacular. This building came into unwitting conflict with Roger Sturk Harbour's adjacent neo-bankside apartments when residents of the latter complained that their floor-to-ceiling glazed walls placed them on public display, rather fittingly in the manner of a real-life art installation. Listening point 11. Borough Market. At this point, turn east and head back along the river towards the Shard. Walk past the reconstructed Shakespeare Globe Theatre before passing under Southwark and Cannon Street railway bridges. Past the Clink, formerly a prison and now a museum, and after a little jink around the Golden Hind, a full-scale reconstruction of Sir Francis Drake's ship, which was the first to circumnavigate the globe, we arrive at Southwark Cathedral. Originally a medieval priory, then a parish church, Southwark attained cathedral status in 1905. The largely Victorian exterior conceals the 13th century structure within. Towards the river are various contemporary additions, which rework the cathedral's materials of flint and stone into surprisingly modernist compositions camouflaged against the original building. Next to the cathedral is the large steel and glass shed of Borough Market, thronging with restaurants, bars and food stalls. The Victorian structure, designed by Henry Rose, dates from 1851, but the market itself is medieval in origin. Today, its picturesque, bustling Londonness made it the ideal location, though, for a certain kind of 90s and noughties film, including Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, Bridget Jones's Diary and numerous others. Fight your way out of Borough Market, climb up the steps behind the cathedral, and you'll be back on London Bridge. Directly opposite... A delicate cantilevered stone-clad spike designed by Eric Parry in 1999 forms a marker for the start of the bridge and another visual link between Southwark and the city. It can be seen variously as a secular spire, a mini-monument, or a tiny sculptural precursor to the Shard. Appropriately, then, it brings you back to the start of the tour. Please like, comment, share and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. From Open City, the on-demand audio team and me, Poppy Waring, goodbye. Mom 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.